Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm very excited to answer the question, why IP matters to your professional services business. So in a recent LinkedIn Live, I shared what I call a big number. 70% of the U.S. gross domestic product is, I think you can guess, intellectual property. Despite this, I had a recent pitch to talk to a group of consultants about IP creation and protection and was rejected with this response. Quote, the common perception of services businesses is that they deliver services, not that they create IP that needs to be protected. Well, yeah, that's what I'm here for. As an expert, you are creating intellectual property every day. Intellectual property is created every time you use your intellect or pay someone to use theirs. Whether it is the custom advertising campaign that you create for your client or the DEI training materials that you use with your clients or the logo that the guy on Fiverr designs for you, it's all IP. Sure, your expertise is in your head and no one can take what's in your head away from you but they can take what you produce away from you. As a business owner, as opposed to a freelancer, which we'll talk about later, as a business owner, your job is to make sure that you own and control, to the extent feasible, the intellectual property that you create with your expertise. Of course, there will be intellectual property that you create specifically for your clients that they will own, and of course, there will be people that you hire to create deliverables for you that will be based on their intellectual property, which you won't own. But when you're using your own expertise to create new assets, we want to make sure that you're owning and controlling them to the extent possible. So let's talk about a few really obvious places where you need to protect your IP. First, content marketing. Whether publishing on LinkedIn or doing a webinar or a podcast or an article for an industry publication or some other original thinking for public consumption, your marketing content is worth protecting. These materials demonstrate your thought leadership, your unique skill set, and other important characteristics that contribute to your ability to attract and land clients. Of course, if you're hoping to be taken seriously, you must have a website because, among other things, an AOL email simply won't do. Your website contains copyrightable material. And by the way, if it doesn't have that, see in a circle with your name and the year of creation in the footer, put that in there today. That content is part of your calling card. 
It's a chance to lay out your expertise to potential clients and others who might want to know more about you, whether they want to make a referral or invite you to be on their podcast or to collaborate with you. What would it say about you if the same exact materials that appear on your website pop up on somebody else's website? Even if you are planning on scaling your business, although I'm sure you are if you're listening to the Hourly to Exit podcast, even if you aren't planning to scale your business, you don't want your materials copied wholesale by your competition. Another area are methodologies, processes, and procedures. To replicate successful work with clients, it's neither efficient nor necessary to recreate the wheel. As an expert, you are amassing important IP. That could be modules or formulas or templates or frameworks. And every time you use them with a new client, you're probably improving them, adding tweaks based on whatever additional information that you receive with every new engagement. That's part of developing your expertise. And these methodologies and processes and procedures, they're part of your accumulated wisdom. And there is major value in this. And it is intellectual property and you want to protect it. So this affects how you pitch your clients, the types of offerings that you have, how you approach a project once you receive the work, how you track the value of your services, the list of reasons that you are successful due to your original thinking is extensive. Now, some of us learn our craft from other experts. You might take a course or we might get certified, but that just proves the value of a methodology, of a framework, because we are paying third parties to get access to theirs. So as you grow and your expertise grows, you want to be the one who's creating those frameworks, those methodologies, the secret sauce. You want to develop all that stuff in-house that is unique to you and to your work. The reason we love having niches is that Let's say you have that certification from a generalist, but then as you work in your niche, there'll be very specific patterns that emerge and you add that to your base of knowledge until you get something that's really unique to you. And that would be your own protectable intellectual property. Hey, everyone. A quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. So whether it positions you better to serve your clients or it is an IP asset that you eventually sell as a standalone product, or that you sell as part of an exit from your business, it is important to take protective measures. All of the assets that are created in connection with third parties, whether with clients, with collaborators, with contractors, even with employees, anytime a third party is involved with the creation of content, you want to have a written agreement in place. This will make sure that you're protecting your rights in your original work. And it'll also make sure that you're receiving the rights that you're paying for when somebody else is creating them for you. So back to the question, why does IP matter? 
it matters because unless you're Tony Robbins, there's only so much you can charge for your services. There's only so much the market will bear for a day's training or coaching session or facilitation. It matters if you're exhausted by the feast or famine cycles of large one-on-one engagements. It matters if you want to stop being an implementer and start being a strategist. It matters especially if you love what you do, but you don't want to do it at this pace forever. IP is required to decouple your income from your time. And that's what we're talking about here. Building a scalable and saleable business requires the development and ownership of assets. And when you're in the expertise business, those assets are intellectual property. This applies whether you want to grow through services or products. To scale with your services, you need to develop methodologies and SOPs to ensure efficient, dependable results for your clients, whether those services are provided by you or by your employees. To scale with products such as courses or trainings, well, that's, of course, all IP. The only expert who doesn't need to think about their IP is the hired hand, that freelancer who simply executes the work assigned to you by the client and collects a check. If that's you, this is not your podcast. But since you're here, I'm going to assume that you don't fall into the hired hands bucket. In that case, you need to protect your work and your value. And IP rights, like many things that are legal, are a little bit too complicated for unspoken and unwritten assumptions. There's that fine print in the client's contracts that you have to understand. Some of them can even restrict how and with whom you can use your expertise. You know that makes me insane. And protecting your IP is not a one-time thing. It takes attention and care throughout all the cycles of your business. Having the right contracts, doing appropriate due diligence, and memorializing your IP in a manner that establishes your ownership are essential tasks for any service-based business. And beyond that, if you do decide you want to expand your business by offering courses, or if you want to sell your business when you're ready to move on to the next chapter, or any other way you want to maximize the value of your work, you need to make sure your IP ducks are in a row. That might sound a little overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. Like all areas of our business, achieving goals, it's all about having a plan. With the goal of building a scalable and saleable business, again, that's simply building a business that decouples your income from your time, the path in the hourly to exit world is clear. There are three steps, IP inventory, IP protection, and IP deployment. So first, IP inventory. I have that as the first step. You may wonder, why isn't IP creation the first step? You're all about creating IP and then protecting it. Well, it simply isn't necessary for me to make a step because you're creating IP all day, every day as you use your intellect. Creation is not your challenge. Your challenge is making sure that you're tracking your IP like inventory. Because when you're in the expertise business, your inventory is intellectual property. So I create a ton of content. My content is here, there, it's all over the place. But having a central location for tracking and storing your IP inventory is 
the first essential step. You can't protect what you aren't tracking. So acknowledging the importance of this step and the resistance to it, I created an IP journal to help you. The idea behind the IP journal is to make a regular habit, whether it's daily or weekly, depending on your content creation cycles, to make sure you're tracking what you're creating. And because you probably have some IP inventory that you haven't tracked before, to also go back and catalog it. So the IP journal has a number of things that it does for you. It helps you identify what IP you own and what you use, because sometimes we use IP that we don't own, like software. Create a timely record of the IP as it's created by you or for you so you don't lose track of ownership rights. Determine your IP's usefulness whether it's enforceable and whether it conflicts with any third-party IP rights, you can assess its relative value to your business. You may have some IP in your business where you couldn't operate without and some third-party software where there's always going to be another software provider. And determine what additional resources are required to protect your most valuable IP. Some is more valuable than others. Every blog post, maybe you don't want to protect that. But obviously, if you have some sort of manifesto or major workbook or guide that's more valuable, then you want to protect that. So that is the IP journal. And I do have a link to that in the show notes. So IP journal, that is your IP inventory step. The second step is IP protection. So once you understand what you have, then you can allocate the appropriate level of resources to protect it. It might mean registration for some of it, as we spoke about earlier, whether that's copyright registration or trademark registration. For most of us who are listening to this podcast, patent is not part of your business, but it might be. But whether or not registration is appropriate, it will always mean having written agreements in place regarding its creation, unless you personally made it. Again, whenever there's a third party involved in the creation, you want those written agreements. Intellectual property ownership rules can be confusing. Clients who believe they have full ownership of a deliverable, even when it includes your pre-existing material, because they pay for it. Likewise, when you're paying for a subcontractor to do work for you, what rights do you have in their deliverables? In the absence of a signed contract, you may be very unpleasantly surprised by the default ownership rules under intellectual property laws. Regardless of your thoughts on contracts, I'm pro. I hope you are too. There is one agreement you simply can't avoid. Think you know what's coming the old NDA. Love them or hate them. Confidentiality agreements, also known as non disclosure agreements, NDAs, they're everywhere. These days, they're the entry ticket to almost every two party interaction before pitch meetings in response to RFPs. Even when you hire someone, that NDA tends to come out. So because of the ubiquity of NDAs, I created an hourly to exit NDA negotiation package. It includes an NDA template. This is a plug and play template that you can start using immediately. So when you're hiring contractors or anytime you're going to share some of your confidential information, you want to have that NDA in place. There's the NDA annotation. This takes the template and fully annotates it provision by provision to make sure that you actually understand what those provisions mean. 
it includes a sample client-side NDA. It's the typical NDA you might receive from your client that you're expected to sign, and it has been redlined by yours truly, including detailed explanations for why I made each change that I made. And then finally, I have the hourly to exit if this, then that chart. Now, while I recommend that all agreements be reviewed by a lawyer before you sign them, I understand that sometimes that review won't fit into your schedule if you need a very quick turnaround, or it may not fit into your budget if you're just at the talking stage and there's no revenue attached to that NDA. So this chart, which is a companion piece to my NDA hotspots LinkedIn Live, if you don't have that, I'm going to include it in there. It's going to be in your package. That gives you suggestions on how to deal with the most common issues that you'll come across in your NDAs. So a link to get the NDA package will be in your show notes. The last step is IP deployment. So I've decided I'm going to use the word deployment instead of monetization, which I think you've heard me use before. I'm going to use deployment from now on because too many people confuse monetization with creating products. Deployment means bringing resources into effective action. I like this better than monetization anyway, because we don't create IP for vanity's sake. We create it so that it works for us because it provides leverage. The reward of our investment in creating and protecting our IP is to use it as a lever to make our businesses more profitable. This might be through any number of IP offerings. Licensing courses and training might be through productized services, or it might be through a customizable signature solution. All of these are very different ways of deploying our IP, but they are all IP-based, or I should say, they're all more profitable when they are IP-based. Through my one-on-one services side of the business, Think Beyond IP, I love to work with people to find that intersection between what their IP is, what their goals for their business are, and the market that they're in to find the optimal deployment. Oh, that's such a good word. So I hope you found this helpful. I will continue to beat the drum that all professional services providers can build scalable and saleable businesses. If you're interested in learning more about the offerings I discussed today and any other questions about intellectual property, you know where to find me. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.